0: the Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. We are in week three of this Navigating Uncertainty series. Um, I've been debating. It's been something that's been on my heart. I, literally, I've been thinking about this and I thought, maybe I just need to do this whole series over again. Uh, I don't know about you, but when, when we start dealing with these things, I'm like, man, this is something we really, really need to get. And my fear is that at some point somebody missed one of those or, oh, I wasn't here for that week. I'm like, ah, well, we're just going to do it all over again. And I can't do that, but I want to. Uh, but if you've missed any of it, I want to encourage you, go onto our website, go to YouTube, go to Facebook. Please get all four pieces of this teaching. We're, we're in crucial times. These last, this last year has been brutal it has been divisive, it has put us in separate camps, I got to spend uh, this last week just by myself. You know that I go away on, on a regular basis just to spend time in quiet, which you know is a miracle because I'm quiet, right? And, uh, and so I, I just spent some time in camp and, um, and I just pulled away by myself and just literally just get my mind and my heart back in alignment with God's truth. Uh, anybody ever know sometimes you just got way too much going on in your head and in your mind and, and you just don't think straight? Uh, well, as a pastor, I, I need to be thinking straight. And so uh, I was away. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's one of these really weird things. Death is something that has traditionally, in fact, for the history of the world, death is something that has always united us. Just take a look back in history. When, when there's death, it's something that brings us together. It, it levels the playing field. And it's the only thing we all have in common See, because we're all on different continents, we live in different environments, we have different financial structures, everything's different, different government structures, democracy, right? we got all these different things that we live on, but, but the one thing that we all have in common, absolutely all have in common, is death. And you've experienced, you go to a funeral, you go to a memorial, and you're like, wow, life happens and death is coming. It, it's just an alignment. That's the reality of truth. And somehow in this last season, they even took death and separated us over it. I thought, how did they do that? Wow. And, and I want this series, this series that I'm talking about, navigating uncertainty. That the only certain thing in life is uncertainty. I'm sure of that. There, nothing else is certain. Listen, you do not have to pay taxes. You may have to pay a price for not paying taxes, but, but you don't have to pay taxes. Death is certain. But here's the other un- certain thing, uncertainty. And so I want to learn how to navigate this uncertainty. And with, that's with the emphasis on the uh, of uncertainty, right? Well, the, this uncertainty in the middle of that influence is everything. Who's got influence? And so the last couple of weeks, I've been looking at leaders with real influence. And I'm not talking about social influence. Please, if you're a YouTuber, go tube your you somewhere else. I, you know, listen, if you're, oh, I'm an Instagrammer influencer, <laughs> right, I, it just doesn't work. And I'm not talking about cultural influencers either. I'm a sports guy. I'm an actor, actress. I'm like, no. I'm talking about people with real influence. And those people with real influence... Have something that I talked about in the first week. I talked about transparent authenticity. Like, you know what, you, what you're dealing with. I got to go to a memorial yesterday where the work friends were there, the family friends were there, and the church friends were there, all in the same room, right? And here was the beautiful thing, is that as they spoke about this woman, everybody had the same thing to say. She wasn't a different person at work than she was at home than she was at church. Everybody at work knew what her beliefs were in her faith. Everybody at home knew the way she acted work. She was the same person throughout, and that's something I want to talk about today. The other piece I talked about last week was genuine clarity. We need some clarity in our lives. We need to know what's the direction. So again, if you missed either of those, I want to encourage you to get those. What happens is when we have authenticity. In our care for others, listen to me now, we build trust. It's like, okay, I I can trust this person. This, this, This person is the real deal, right? And the beauty is that when we get clarity, even when things are uncertain, we can build confidence in people. And with that trust and with that confidence, we learn to get comfortable in the uncomfortable and that's really where this series is about. And so open up your app. If you have the app this morning, open up your phones. If you don't have the app, go to the App Store, go to the Google Play and get the app. It's under Sanctuary SCV. But I encourage you to do so because in that we have some notes for you. We have some things to walk away with. I like to grow on the go. So, you know, this is, this is one thing. This is Sunday morning, it lasts about boop, this much, and then the rest of the week, we're like, oh man, what do I do? The, the app has a way of just getting us back into this stuff. I'm going to be moving pretty quick this morning, so get ready. I got some fill-ins for you to be filling out. If we're going to get all of this, if we're going to navigate uncertainty, we're going to have to maintain our moral authority, which is this week. It's about integrity. This week is about integrity. What is integrity, are, are you good with integrity? Do you know what integrity is? Here's, here's your first definition, integrity is the alignment between what we say and what we expect of others and what we expect of ourselves. It's, it's this third, it's this non-negotiable part, this third part in this series. So I've got transparency, I've got clarity, and now integrity, and it's what we say and what we do. Is there a connection between what we say and what we do? We know the negative of that, it's called hypocrisy. When people don't do what they say, they're a hypocrite. But do you know what happens when people do what they say? That's called integrity. We always focus on the negative. But when's the last time you heard the positive? Man, that person has integrity. And it's lacking in our culture today. Integrity is that credibility that we earn by walking our talk. And I, and I got to tell you, now more than ever, the world needs credible leaders because there is a leadership vacuum in our nation. And by the way, if you are a youth, young adult, I, I'm, I'm talking to you this morning. I need you to step up with integrity. Do what you say. You tell your parents, I'll empty the trash, empty the trash. See, so here's what happens, right? We th- we, we're in a service. Young people are in a service. Young adults are here, right? And it's like, well, well, he's talking to the adults. He's talking to people who are married. He's talking to people who have careers. No, listen, we, we need integrity. And I believe that our young people can lead us in this, but you need to step up. And so now more than ever, our families, our communities, they need us to lead them through this uncertainty. There is an uncertainty every day. What's gonna happen? What's happening financially? What's happening you know, socially? Everything just seems so volatile. Seems like the volcano's doing this. And it's like, is it gonna erupt at some point soon? Because something's really bad. Let me start by reminding us today a few things about leadership. Here's the first thing about leadership. Let's get these things down. Leadership is stewardship. Leadership is stewardship. And what I mean by stewardship is that we don't own leadership. It's on loan. Leadership is an opportunity and a responsibility. But it's on loan. It's temporary at best. Leadership is temporary because we are temporary. I go back to this death issue, right? Just knowing there's an expiration date. That needs to direct our posture, our tone, our humility as leaders, which by the way, has anybody been trying voice messaging? I've had a few conversations with people. I said, now is not a time for texting. How many times have you misunderstood the tone of a text? But when you hear a message, you go, hey, I was thinking about you today. I hope everything's okay. And you hear that and you go, oh, I catch the tone is care. But if I get a text, hey, I was thinking about you today, is everything okay? Is everything not okay? What's going on, right? And you begin to wonder, what, what, what do they know that I don't know? See, you know what we need these days? We need voice. I need to hear your voice. I don't need to read another text. I don't need another email. I need to hear voices. We, not the ones in my head, right? I, I need to hear your voice. We need to hear one another. We need to talk, especially when we're in this season, when it's hard to talk because we're doing this the time. It's hard, but we need to hear one another. Well, this this has to happen for us because it is temporary. This, again, this leadership is temporary. As leaders, we don't have people. We don't have people. We have responsibility to people. We have responsibility for people. And so that's why leadership is a stewardship. It's a stewardship. The second one is leadership is temporary this temporary issue, it's not around a lot. It's, it's just, just for the moment it's going to be here, and it's going to be taken away. We're either going to give it away, listen to me, or it's going to be taken away. Leadership comes and leadership goes, but we're all leading in some form or another. If you're a, a parent, if you're, you've, got, you've got workers, people. here's what leadership is, people watching you And they decide, watch this, I will follow you or I will not follow you. And there are plenty of unfollowable leaders, which is what I'm getting into this morning. It's because there's a lack of integrity. That's what I really want to focus in on this morning. Leadership is temporary because we're temporary. And so I I want you to catch this. Here's the third thing about leadership. Leadership is accountable. Leadership is accountable. Everybody is accountable to somebody for how they steward or manage their influence. How are you stewarding your influence? What would your kids say about the difference between what you say and what you do? What would your coworkers, what would your spouse say is the difference? What's the space between what you say and what you do? That's how we know about this accountability. Every leader has an authority. And, and there's authority above us, there's authority around us, but we really have authority on two levels. You and I will experience this authority. I, I, I walk in a, in levels of authority, and there's a couple levels. Here's, here's the first one. It's called positional authority. Positional authority is this. You're a mom, you're a dad, you're a coach, you're a team captain, you're a boss, you're a first responder, that's positional authority. See, I have a position that gives me this authority over my children, right? When they're young, I get to tell them what to do. When they're old, they're telling me what to do, right? That's about two years old, right? And so here, here's what happens. This positional authority, it, it, it's again, it is temporary, it's a stewardship, all of these things, but the people with the most influence are not people with positional authority in the traditional sense. The people with the most influence, I would like it to be moms and dads and coaches and first responders, but that's not, those aren't the people who have the most authority. They, the people with the most authority have the second level of authority. Look at this one. It's called moral authority or what's called integrity. See, moral authority has nothing to do with positional authority. It has everything to do with influence. How you influence someone. This kind of authority is the result of an alignment between what people say and what they do, between what they expect of themselves and what they expect of others. We know the phrase, right? Do as I say. Yeah, right? This is the lack of moral authority. It's like, I'm not gonna follow you. And watch this, I'm not even gonna listen to you. Because I hear what you're saying, but no, You say this, and then, watch, you say this on Sunday, but I hear you say this on Tuesday. Oh, that kind of integrity. It's the same throughout. Do your actions get backed up by the words that you speak? Or are your words, here's the phrases we use, your words are empty to me. You know anybody who gives you empty words? They call them empty promises? That's what this is. Think of the moral authority as the credibility that people have earned by walking their talk. It's the alignment between the, who they claim to be and who they actually are. See, moral authority is integrity and integrity is influence. And you know, we gotta have influence. There's, there, there's, we've lost the influence. The church has lost its influence. Listen, just back it up because it's lost its integrity. Back it up because it's lost its moral authority. We are Unbelievable. Unbelievable the way the church acts today. See, those are the kinds of things that get said. Oh, man, the church is unbelievable. You should hear that church backbite on that church, and that church talks bad about that church. And oh, it's, it's a terrible place. When there's a difference between what someone says and what they do, we lose respect. We lose respect, and, and they lose influence. Influence. See, we go, I don't don't respect you, and you can't influence me. And And here's why. Because we're influenced by people that we respect. I will listen to someone that I respect. When we don't respect someone, it's hard to hear what they're saying because they are the ones saying it. It's like, I'd like to, but it's you. I'd like to listen, but I know you're not dependable. You have no integrity. Again, positional authority provides person with influence for a specific time. Positional authority, like a parent. I have a specific time that I have influence and authority. But this other authority, right? Not 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 like a coach or a boss, moral authority, it provides influence over a, a period of time in a variety of contexts. And it's an indefinite period of time. See, you can have I can have, if I have integrity in, in my life, I can have authority. Watch this in a sporting context? Anybody familiar with John Wooden? John Wooden, longtime UCLA coach. He had integrity, and so on the court, his players listened to things that he said, but off the court, he's giving seminars on leadership, he's talking to, I mean, he had a huge influence off the basketball court. Why? Integrity. He was the same throughout. What he said in private is what played out in public. It's a beautiful thing to watch this thing happen. Moral authority, again, it's an indefinite period of time in so many different contexts. Well, we have a ringside seat to a leader. Open up to Nehemiah. Grab your Bibles. And you're like, Nehemiah? Go to Psalms and turn left. Come on, here we go. Come on. You're like, I don't know how to find Nehemiah. It's in there somewhere. Yeah, go to Psalms, right in the middle of your Bible. Psalms, and then turn left. You'll just get over there. Job, boop, boop, boop. Esther, Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter five, Nehemiah is living in exile. You know the series I just did on exile, living in exile, right? Well, he's living in exile and he is this personal assistant to the king of Persia. We remember Daniel was the king. He was assistant to three different kings, Nebuchadnezzar, Darius, and Cyrus, right? We talked about these things at the end of last year. Well, here's another guy who's a foreigner in a land, but he's the advisor to the king of Persia. And the walls around Jerusalem, he's living in Persia, the walls around Jerusalem, uh, they were destroyed when Babylon took over. We went over this before, about 250 years before all of this is happening, right? And, and then Nehemiah says to the king of Persia, he says, hey, listen, man, I'd really like to go home, and I'd like to restore my homeland, right? Now watch this. Just think about who this guy is. This is Nehemiah. I'm a foreigner in your land, and I would like You to give me permission to go back to my land because I'm a slave here. I'm a servant here. I want you to give me permission to go back to my land so that I can fix up my land again. Get it all back together. Those of you who know Nehemiah, he is uh, known for rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem. That was his task. Well, the king not only grants his request. Listen to this. But the king funds it. He says, hey, Nehemiah, that's a great idea. Listen to the influence Nehemiah has on the king of Persia. Not only is that a great idea, I'm going to give you the money to do so. Wait, what? Right? Right? So he heads back to Jerusalem. He wants to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. That's not what I'm going to be focusing on today. But Nehemiah, this book here, is kind of a journal of sorts. He kind of keeps track. He goes, hey, this happened today. And, and you may have heard of these Sanballat and Tobiah. Some of these guys were really annoying. They're trying to build the wall. You may have heard about some of these things. But, but he, he keeps a journal here. And, and look at what he writes. I'm starting in Nehemiah chapter 5. Nehemiah chapter 5. And here, here's what happens. He's hearing all these complaints. Man, and we need more food, we're gonna starve. If we need more food, we're gonna survive, right? Chapter five, we've we mortgaged everything. We don't have enough money for food during this famine that's going on, right? We're in Jerusalem, there's a famine, right? We're, gonna, we're going into debt just to pay our taxes. We're selling our kids into slavery. Just to, just to survive, you gotta do something. And here's where I'm gonna pick it up. I'm gonna pick it up in verse six. Here's what happens. Nehemiah hears their complaints and it says this, I was, gotta catch this, this is huge. I was very angry, period, after thinking it over. Stop. When's the last time you could put those two phrases together? Just, just stop for me. This is Nehemiah. I was very angry, so I stopped to think. Huh? 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 This, this is integrity. Because how many of you are really angry and... Send it now. I'm feeling it now. I just watched the video. I need to say something. Huh, 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 huh? Listen, I, he says, I was, I was, I was upset. What, what did he say? I was very angry. And so after thinking it over, I love that. He doesn't react. Unfortunately, that's a lot, a lot of people without integrity react. Somebody said something to me, so I said this to them. Maybe you need to not react. Watch what happens. I spoke out against these nobles and officials. Let's call those guys politicians, right? Nobles and officials. He responds to them. Hey, you're hurting our relatives by charging interest when they borrow money. So he calls this town hall meeting to deal with the problem. Verse 8, at the meeting he says this, we're doing everything we can to redeem our relatives who've had to sell themselves to pagan foreigners. They've had to sell themselves in slavery to to people who aren't like us. He says, and now you're selling them back into slavery again. We've already freed them from the people who had them enslaved and now you're enslaving them. Watch what he says. How many times are you going to make us redeem them? And I love this. And they got nothing to say in their defense. Well, of course they don't have anything to say. How do you defend that? Right? They're keeping quiet because they got nothing to say. So Nehemiah spends a fortune, this fortune that he gets from the king of Persia, he spends a fortune buying all the Jewish slaves out of slavery. He's saying, okay, you're now free. Come, let's rebuild Jerusalem. You're now free. Come build Jerusalem. You're now free. He's buying the Jews out of slavery in this land. And now the Jews that are living there go, well, I don't have any money. I don't have money for food. I don't have money for taxes. So, hey, can you loan me some money to pay? Yeah, but, and we'll get into how it happens. Watch this. They're they're charging their neighbors a lot of interest. And and the bankers are their neighbors. (laughs) I'll give you the money, but it's going to cost you dearly. Wait a minute, right? Here comes round two. He presses further. What you're doing ain't right. You realize what you're doing, right? Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God in order to avoid being mocked by our enemies? You guys, everybody's laughing at us. This ain't right. He says this, me, my brothers, my workers, right? We've been lending people money and grain, but listen, you gotta stop this business of charging interest. You're putting people back into slavery again. You gotta restore their fields, their vineyards, their olive groves, their homes, and that's gotta be done today. And then, listen, I need you to repay the interest that you've charged them. Repay that. You lent them money. You lent them grain. You gave them new wine. You gave them olive oil. But you're undermining our economy by doing that. Our security, our families. Here I'm trying to rebuild Jerusalem, and every brick in the wall I put up, you tear it down. We're not getting ahead. you got to treat one another better. So here's their reply in verse 12. We'll give back everything and demand nothing more from the people, and we'll do as you say. What? Really? Is it that easy? Now, please know, Nehemiah is no fool. He didn't didn't become governor overnight, right, because of this, right? He, he, He knows people, right? He doesn't trust untrustworthy people. So what does he do? Look at this. He says, then I called the priests and I made the politicians swear to do what they'd promised. Verse 13, I shook out the folds of my, my robes, right? I'm like, hey, hey, you know what? If you guys don't do this, see all the dust? This is the way God's gonna get rid of you. He's gonna take you out of your homes. He's gonna take you out of your positions. It's, this is the modern one, right? That, that's what he's saying. Nehemiah's doing it. Hey, this is what's gonna happen to you. If you don't do what you just now promised to do, here's what God's going to do. He's going to do this. God's going to shake you like this from your homes, from your property. I love this. The whole assembly responded, let it be so, let it be done. That's what amen means. Okay, let it be so, let it be done. If we don't pay it back, done. I'm in agreement, right? And they praised the Lord and the people did just as they promised. And just like that, they returned what they'd taken. And, but here's the reason that Nehemiah, because I, I wonder, how did Nehemiah get like, bam? He, it wasn't just because he was governor. He was made governor over Jerusalem, right? But it wasn't just that, it was, it was something else that was going on like he had, he had authority. And I don't think, listen to this, I don't think it was positional authority. You're the governor, so we gotta do what you say. Because there's a whole bunch of people who don't do what the governor says. Right? No. Look what happened. They did immediately what he asked. So I go, this must not be positional authority. This must be, watch this, moral authority. And it's the next verses that lead us into how do I come to that conclusion. Watch this. It's like a journal entry. Okay? Again, he's keeping a journal. Verse 14. For 12 years, I was the governor of Judah. From the twentieth year to the thirty-second year of the reign of King Artaxerxes, I know. Please don't name your kids Artaxerxes. That's a mouthful, right? There's two X's, and they are pronounced as disease. This is why people don't read the Bible, right here. Art, what, what, right? Okay, so King Art, right? During the King Art, right? Neither I nor my officials drew on our official food allowance. The former governors who were before me. I'm not not talking about them. I'm talking about me. I didn't draw on the food allowances. The former governors before me, they laid heavy burdens on the people. They abused their authority. And they're demanding a daily ration of food and wine. Besides, on top of the 40 pieces of silver that they're getting, even their assistants are taking advantage of the people. So these wealthy citizens had learned. They, They were taking their cue from the leadership. Well, the governor cheats us so we can cheat them. Let's just pass on the cheat. But Nehemiah says, that's not the way it works. Look at what he says. I love this. But because I feared God, I didn't act that way. Catch that? He didn't enrich himself at the expense of the people. He did what he said he came to do, to rebuild the wall, to restore the nation of Israel. That's what I'm here doing. Then verse 16, I also devoted myself to working on the wall and I refused to to acquire any land. See, property ownership, right? We're dirt wealthy, right? That we he's a real estate. He said, like, No, I don't even have real estate, right? Because land ownership a power is a sign of power. It's a sign of authority. He goes, No, that so his authority's not coming because he owns the most property. He owns no property. Where is this authority coming from? He says this. He doesn't go there. He says, all, this is what I did. I required all my servants to spend time working on the wall. See, we could see how Nehemiah lives. We could see it by the decisions that he's making. We watch him and we go, oh. And he's not, he's not walking in entitlement. He's the governor. You would think he'd grab some property. Yeah, I can get that piece of property cheap. You know, let's grab that. Get that up hey, they already told me I could have money from the treasury. They told me i get a food allowance. They told me i get all, no, you know what? We're not doing that. We're not doing that. We're not doing this. We're here to do something. I said I came to rebuild Jerusalem. This is what I'm here to do. I can't account for the governors before me, but I can account for me. And so he expected of himself what he expected of others. Nehemiah was working on this wall. And I believe that is what gave him influence. 12 years of walking his talk. 12 years. That's what added the weight to his words. See, moral authority takes years to acquire. But I'm here to tell you, and please know this, it takes one unguarded moment to lose it all. Huh? Moral authority, oh man, it's work to get it going. See, we're always one decision, one word, One reaction away from damaging the very thing that gives us influence beyond our position. Position is temporary. I I was only a parent for this many years and then my kids got all married off and now I got five grandkids and I'm like, man, what? I don't have that authority anymore. That was positional authority. The beauty is with integrity, my kids will come back and say, hey, dad, what do you think I ought to do in this, in this area? I go, oh, see, I don't have positional authority anymore. Now I have a moral authority. And it's longer lasting than the position lasts. To bring this into sharp focus and maybe uncomfortable, I think, for, may, for, for maybe for some of us, this, just think about those who we don't respect. Think about that. Our loss of respect is often determined by what people require of themselves and the life that they live. I do not respect that person. I've seen the way they live. They say this, but they do this. And we, we back up. And that's why I say it's temporary. You may have had authority with someone's life before, but if they see inconsistency, they go, hmm, I can't follow that. And this is the uncomfortable part. Here's where it gets uncomfortable. If that's the rule for them, it's the rule for us. Listen, if you function that way, I don't trust that person anymore because they said this and did this. Do you know what they're doing when you do it? Same thing. I don't trust that person. They said they were going to help me and then they, oh, something came up. I can't make it. But you promised you were going to be there. You said we were going to do this. You told us that the family. We, were, we told the family that we were going to do this. We told the kids that we were going to do this. We told our, our employees that we were going to do this. We told, and then watch this. Well, the economy took a turn. Well, your employees don't know that. You need to tell them that. Hey, listen, you guys. Let me show you the books. This is why I'm not giving the raises I promised to give us because here's what happened. Remember, I talked about clarity last week. Anybody remember this? When things change, we need to communicate the change. But here's I've had it happen. Bosses just go. Well, everybody knows what happened. No, they don't. We just, well, they know why they're not getting raises. No, they don't. And with that in mind, I want you to keep an eye on three gauges. We, have, we know what gauges are. You look at the speedometer, you look at your, your RPMs, you look at your fuel gauge, you look at your temperature gauge. We have them on a dashboard, right? I want you to look at three gauges that we need to constantly monitor in our life to keep our integrity at the right place. The first gauge is our response to authority our response to authority. This is about how we respond, internally, externally, facially, (laughs) right? My daughter used to get busted. She had that face that was like, and the teacher would say, is there a problem? No. (laughs) Well, your face says something different, right? Oh, she used to get in so much trouble all the time for that, right? But how do we respond to authority? A lot of people have lost their moral authority because they've responded inappropriately to authority. They lose their place of influence because of the way they talk about authority. And let me tell you this, if you you think that you're too important to be under authority, you're probably too immature to be over people. Let me say it again. If I can, if you don't have the ability to submit to people, people probably will not submit to you. You can't be a good leader without being a good follower. It's huge. But you know, I don't have to follow them. I don't have to do what they say. I have rights. The Constitution, inalienable blah 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 blah. Romans. Let's talk about what Romans says. And it's tough. If you think you're too important to be under someone, you're probably too immature to be over someone. That's a problem. Our second gauge we need to keep an eye on is our sense of entitlement. This is a huge one. Our sense of entitlement. Just listen to the reasons that we make to justify our behavior. Are they excuses that we wouldn't approve of in other people? That's a problem. Imagine someone that you respect doing or saying what you're contemplating doing or saying. That, quite honestly, has stopped me more often than not. It's like, I wouldn't allow them to say that to me. Why would I allow me to say that to them? See, again, that's integrity. Probably some of the best advice I ever got was, never do anything you don't want to have to explain to your congregation on a Sunday morning. So I don't go on those websites because I don't want to stand here and say, I was on those websites. I don't go to those places because I don't want to stand here and say, I went to that place. Because I want, have, I want to have Nehemiah influence. Entitlement is such a slippery slope because it starts with, I deserve. I try and get that word out of my vocabulary. I call it the D word. I deserve it, and whatever it is. Listen, if deserving it undermines your influence and your moral authority, think about it a lot. Think about it a lot. I deserve that. I, I work hard, and that's what happens. See, people always use the D word with me. Oh, pastor, you deserve a vacation. Darn right I deserve a vacation. And then when something goes wrong on my vacation, you know who I have a problem with? God. Because, hey, they told me I deserve a vacation, you know. And how come the plane got canceled? How come my rental car's not here? Hey, I deserve. Anybody following where I'm going here? It's a slippery slope. The odds are that whatever it is that you think you deserve, the day may come when you'd be willing to return it just to get back the influence and the respect that you surrendered to get it. The last gauge that we need to pay close attention to is our imaginary conversations. You know those conversations when you get in the car after you've been together with someone, you go, whoa, what was that? You know what I'm talking about? When, when the guests leave the door and they go, whoa, you go wow, remind me to never invite them over again. Those are the conversations we have in our head. Have you guys never had these conversations? Am I really the only one Okay cuz there was a lot of silence there and I was like wow I just got really transparent everybody's like oh, man we need to pray for the pastor. Okay so you guys have had those conversations right like those people are crazy. And, and you know you know what I'm about to say right if you've never had that conversation it's you right So so but but here's the problem our imaginary conversations if the anger and frustration watch this I can do that behind closed doors I like man those people are crazy it's gonna leak in public at some point. You get used to saying it in your mind, it's gonna come out of your face at some point and you will lose influence when it does. Oh, people, are you're crazy. Did I just say that? And you can't get the words to come back at you. You can't put them back in your face. It's done. So if you've blown it, own it, right? If you mess up, fess up. This is me. It's the only way to rebuild our moral authority. It's unfortunate, but I'm sorry doesn't erase people's memories. It may may let you start over again, maybe. We trust people who make mistakes. We don't trust people who make excuses. We trust people who make mistakes. We don't trust people who make excuses. That's integrity. People who make excuses are functioning with their best interest in mind, not yours. Well, I, had to, I, uh, I didn't have time to call you today. Really? Please take that out of your repertoire. I didn't have time to call you. P- please don't, don't, don't ever say that again. There's always time, it's how we manage our time. See, integrity is essential. During these times of disruption, during these times of uncertainty, it's, it's essential for leadership. L-l-l- listen, we can lead without integrity. We see that all over the place, right? We, got, we have a lot of examples of leading without integrity. We can manage without integrity. I'm just look around. But I'll tell you what, we won't be the leader worth following without integrity. Integrity is huge. We cannot maintain our influence without it. And here's why. This is the way I remember it. This one's for you. Take this down people are usually remembered. They're usually defined by their final chapter, not their finest chapter. We could talk about Mike Tyson and all the rounds and all the knockouts, but in the end, he went through how many millions of dollars and he's broke? What? We're not We're not defined by our finest chapter, it's sad. Most people are defined by their final chapter. People are remembered for their integrity or their lack of it, not their positional authority. My parents made lots of mistakes, lots of mistakes. Sometimes I I went through a season where I thought I was one of them, where I go, why? My own self-condemnation, why'd you even have me, right? But see, that's a positional authority that comes and goes. But my parents still have authority in my life to this day because there was a moral integrity. There was this influence that they had in my life. Our accomplishments, they'll make our name known for sure. But our character and our integrity, that's the stuff that's going to determine what people associate with our name. When they say your name, what will they say about you? Oh, yeah, I remember. He was the grumpy one, right? Oh, that's the woman who, like, would never smile, right? Oh, I remember them. They were the. And I'll tell you what, that is worth guarding. So think about this. What kind of leader do you want to follow? Just answer that question in your mind. What kind of leader do you want to follow? Then, beloved, become that leader. Become that Set the pace. Have integrity. Do what you say you're going to do. Follow through. Let your words and your actions be the same thing. In these days of uncertainty, we need people with moral integrity, this moral influence, this this leadership quotient, because it's missing. Now, you may be here this morning, and you're thinking, i got to realign some things. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. And in fact, you should have gotten communion on your way in this morning. I encourage you. This is that alignment. Lord, I want to be more like you today than I was yesterday, more like you tomorrow than I am today. I need to align to this. This, you did something for us. This is just symbolic. Your your body was broken, right? You take that little, the bread off the top there, boop, right? right, Your body was broken for me. I, I need... I need, to, I need to remember that it's not about me. Your, your blood was poured out for me. This morning during worship, I encourage you, have communion as a moment of alignment. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, that's what this is about, is that Jesus made a way for you. If you're watching online, I encourage you. Listen, we were created for relationship with God. And we were given free will. We get to make a choice. And we many of us, all of us, at some point or another, And sometimes, even multiple times a day, choose to break that relationship with God. But it's through his love. God's love for us. Pastor Asher mentioned today, he gave us Jesus Said, I'll make the relationship right again. Do you have that relationship with Jesus?